0: I want to appreciate us for, I was not expecting um, what happened here today. I'm not an emotional man, but this one touched me. (laughs) I appreciate everybody in this room in the name of Jesus. Lord, once again, we ask for utterance. I ask that you speak, think through my thoughts and speak through my vocal cords and take all the glory in Jesus' name. Please, you may be seated. God bless you. Turn your Bible to the book of
1: Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11,
0: I will read from verse number 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the walls were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. Verse 6 is my emphasis. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So the Bible says he that cometh to God. There are two ways to access the things that God has in store. One of the ways is that God gets to deal with you. And another way is that you get to deal with God. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 begins to reveal to us the rules of engagement just in case we have an intention to deal with God. There are. There modalities that we cannot ignore just in case we want to deal with God so he says he that cometh to God must believe that he is must believe that he's the ever-present must believe that he's the all-powerful must believe that he's the El Shaddai He should not be in doubt as to who the person of god and the capacity of god is and secondly he must also believe that god has such a nature that he will he will bless anyone that diligently seeks him so there's a reward for diligent seeking How do we say that? We began to talk on the subject of altars. And we said that someone that wants to set up an altar is actually someone that wants to deal with God. And so if you want to set up an altar, you need to make a commitment that Satan cannot break. You need to make a commitment to God that circumstances cannot break. You need to make a commitment to God that situations cannot annul. If you understand that God is who he says he is, and if you understand that he is a rewarder of them, that they gently seek him, this is sufficient motivation to stay on your altar until you arrive at the point of appointment with God. Many times, Satan is aware of the potential of your interfacing with God. And so when he sees that you begin to mean business, what he does is that he sends the storm. He begins what we call the mind-bending scheme, which is to get you confused, get you focused on something else, get you to embrace trivialities as reality, and to stop your adventure into God. Are you still with me? But if you continue, and you are able to collide with the appointment date that God has scheduled on the account of your effort, then he appears on the altar as the supervising spirit of your altar. And come with me I want to show you something quickly now can you reduce the volume a little just a little because I might be moved to shout very soon if you are still with me say "Amen." man okay can we do Psalms 91 Psalms 91 I decided to change all the scriptures that I want to use to discuss this matter because my assessment of the way the service went yesterday was that maybe it was too complex for some people. And this subject is such a life-applicable subject that each and every one of us should leave this conference and um, stumble on the decision to begin to deal with God. And if that is the objective, I intend to use the simplest set of scriptures in the Bible to convey the mind of God that is heavy upon my heart at this time. So we are all acquainted with the book of Psalms 91. So I'd like us to look upon it uh, in a moment and draw some insight. So the Bible says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now you will notice that God is referred to in Psalms 91 by two different identities. The first identity is the most high. Most high. He is higher than every high. Every highly placed, every one that is recognized, every one that has stature in society that we consider great people, God happens to be the Most High. So, that's his first identity in the book of Psalms 91. Then his second identity in the book of Psalms 91 is the Almighty. So even though you have might, even though you have capacity, even though Satan seems to have some abilities that he can wield, this is the Almighty. So beyond him, there is no other existence. In fact, he is existence itself, and heaven needs him to survive. Now, so you see, God is identified as the most high. God is also identified as the almighty. That's a very boisterous introduction. But but, by the time we get to verse 2, David says something. Verse 2, are you there? I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, my God. Can you see that in verse 2, everything about this most high, this almighty is on the personal level. It is only when you have the ability to operate an altar that God becomes personal to you. Before you begin to operate an altar, God is the Most High. God, you see God in a general context, is never in a personal context. But when you begin to operate an altar, that is when you actually have a god it will always be our god it will always be their god it will never be your god so there are so many people in church that do not have god because he's still almighty because he's still most high what makes him your god is that you set up an altar and the supervising spirit of your altar comes to attend to your efforts to secure his attention. Now, for instance, if I turn over this microphone to any random person in the congregation, and I ask the person, can you do something to prove to this audience that you know God personally? That's when you will find out how many people only know him as Almighty. And they don't have a God yet, but they don't know. They are not aware of it. It is your intimacy with God that makes God, makes God come establish um, a personal context of intercourse with you. The moment the supervising spirit of your altar comes into focus, you now have a God. Are you still with me? So, the fact that you have an almighty doesn't mean you have a God. Because everyone, even the unbeliever, calls him almighty. Even the man that is serving an idol somewhere in the voter, cause he said, there's one that is still, eh? He acknowledges that. That concept is it's a generic concept that captures every single human being, whether he acknowledges God or not. But it is your altar that makes him your God. Please help me ask your neighbor, do you have a God? Second scripture. Just trying to refresh your memory before we begin the journey. First Kings chapter 18, verse. 24 first kings chapter 18 verse 24 this is the contest of elijah Elijah was saddled with the responsibility of calling a generation to repentance and bringing them back into alignment with God. One of the things that you would discover in that era, in that age, was that the national altar was broken down. So it means that the national priesthood that secured intelligence from God on national matters was no longer active. And the place of the national altar that was set up, the altar of Baal, was the one that provided a supervising spirit for the nation of Israel. So the kind of job that Elijah had to do was a job that uh, requires evidence. He said, all right, I'm not preaching to you. I'm not saying turn to the Lord. Let's do something here. I'm going to set up my altar here. you set up yours. And he made a statement that i like to draw attention to. And, and ye shall call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. It's a contest. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be. Our national God is going to be the supervising spirit that appears on any of these altars. I'm just still trying to make you understand that it never comes to the personal level until you have a functional altar in place. The name of our national deity will be the spirit that will stand on any of the altars. I'm tired of evangelism. I'm tired of preaching. Now let us demonstrate a matter say you have heard all the sermons you have heard all the all the sermonizing now we want to call upon our God and a God that answers by fire let him be God so the realm of having a God is the realm of answers if your efforts to advance an adventure into the realm of the spirit meets with an answer, it means that the supervising spirit of your altar has decided to show up. It is within that framework of his showing up that you have a God. Because when he shows up, He shows up to establish government over your life. When he shows up, he shows up to give you an understanding of how he wants your life to run. When he shows up, he begins to insist that several things that you have carried on for several years can no longer remain in your space because it comes to make you like him. Some of the things he's going to rebuke in your life are not sinful things, but they are just human things. Just human things. It is human to doubt. And then you now begin to doubt on a certain matter, then he shows up and says, hey, don't speak the words of doubt around me. So he's, he's rebuking something. And the thing is not sinful, the thing is just human. Human. Because he doesn't want you to operate like a fallen. He wants you to operate like one that has been enlightened, that is in league with the living God. And there are many, many things he's going to rebuke in your life just to bring you into conformity with the new kind of species that is in covenant with God. The God that answers by fire. I went somewhere to preach the Bible and I... My determination was to prove that half of the congregation was godless. That was my determination. Although that's not my determination tonight. Um, hallelujah. Is it the God that answers by fire? So it means that we can verify if you have a God. Someone was telling me about Benin Republic that several clans, different clans came up one day on a festival. I don't know what um, that festival is called. Different clans, they came with their witchcraft, came with their necromancy, they came with enchantment, they came with divination. And uh, the contest is to show which of the clans has is in league with the, the spirit that has greatest dexterity in manipulating physical situations and physical affairs. So, a certain clan showed up and after incantation and they offered all the sacrifices, their God was pleased and their God jumped into a a car and began to drive the car without any physical driver. (laughs) When we are, you are not with me, you are not following me. When we are talking of the the issue of God, are you there? Whether or not you have a God. Answers and performance is in the equation of that matter. If where you are seated today, you cannot generate, you cannot intercede to your God, and your God shows up and he does something, it means you are naked. And many times, a lot of us us confuse positive thinking for actually for actual interface with the realm of the invincible and you wake up and you you say some positive things like today the gate will open for me you know what if if what you are saying is not backed up by your God it's empty talk and I've seen people that spoke like that and died in the evening. Please help me preach to your neighbor. May you not be explaining what you should be experiencing. (laughs) The average believer is equipped with explanation. But that day, when Elijah was calling the nation back to order, back into repentance, back into alignment with God, he said, okay, no need for preaching. Um, The God that what? That answered by fire. Let him be God. So, when we talk about the presence of the supervising spirit of your altar, when he descends on your altar, as I showed you in the book of Amos, chapter 9, verse 1 yesterday, that the Lord was standing on, on, on the altar. That's what it means for the supervising spirit to come. The moment he comes and stands on the altar, it means you have a goal. You are entitled to protection, you are entitled to defense. If someone is troubling you in 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 kaswa market you can come to him and report and say there's a problem there's a problem there's a problem and then your god will rise to your defense but if your supervising spirit is not on your altar you don't enjoy those privileges the second clan came they saw what the first clan did some of you must have watched it on facebook wait let me let me say what i i want you to confirm first the second clan came. Somebody from the clan jumped and he hung on the air and then he jumped. He's on Facebook. Oh. How many of you? S- okay, at least I have one. Wait. He jumped. He hung on the air. He jumped again. He jumped again. And then he went very high. Then he now stayed there. <laughs> he stayed up there. Haven't stayed for like 35 seconds. Then he now did acrobatics turned upside down then he shook 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 and the team brought him down and he stood on the ground that was the display of a certain clan it means that that clan has a goal are you there oh you are still not in the classroom i'm trying to bring you i'm trying to bring you most of you don't have a goal that's what i'm telling you because in order for that thing that display that they did that day to happen there must be an altar. There must be an embassy where that that negotiation took place for the spirit to come out and perform in public view. It was negotiated somewhere. The way this world was made, it was made fused with realities from the realm of the spirit, such realities that mortals cannot operate. So priesthood will provide an opportunity for spirit beings to come operate some things that mortals cannot operate. In fact, in the concept of the new creation, is man plus Holy Ghost. Have you read the scripture that says that the spirit helpeth our infirmities? So God put everything that we need in a spirit being. He created you and me insufficient. He created us incapacitated. And what he did was that everything we needed for our completion, our capacity, our stature to prosecute destiny, to survive the devil, to survive witches and wizards, everything that we need to make up for the infirmities that is in our flesh is in the spirit being. So the Bible says that the spirit helps our infirmities. And you will notice that infirmities in that scripture is in plural. It means you you are a bag of insufficiencies. You are a bag of witnesses I know you you like to pride yourself after uh, the quality of degree you got from uh, uh, University of Ghana. You got you got a first class. So you it, it, with your first class, the Bible is saying that you are a bag of infirmities. In fact, if you are a King James student like myself, you will discover that the word infirmities is the same word they use for sickness. It means that you are sick. You are actually. <coughs> You're actually sick. But it is the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost that has the cure for our sickness. That means that's how God designed life. He designed life for mortals in partnership with a spirit being. Are you there? We have not started the practicals because haven't told you haven't told you that when we talk about the issue of god we should be able to bring evidence yes don't speak empty words when you talk about god when you talk about a spirit being that has your back we talk about evidence we talk about ability ability that is beyond human ability that is the evidence that there is a spirit behind you. The other day someone was giving me an orientation about Ghana. Say, okay, since you like Ghana so much, let us tell you how Ghana is. You see, before you quarrel with anybody, find out if it's from Volta. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> hold hold your quarrel and interview him first <coughs> if you discover that he's not from voter quarrel <laughs> if he's from voter shake him and leave leave that place you know why they have a god So, if we are talking of of the issue of a God, Christians are noise. They make, we make noise. We make noise. When people want to contest for elections, they don't, they come to church to, to get, it's a marketplace. They come to market here. But where they go to look for power is not in church. They know the crooked ways to the ends of the earth. Why? Because those people are in custody of a God. Before my time expires on the face of the earth, that narrative will change. That one. Will change. <laughs> A politician in Nigeria. He came somewhere with his driver. One of the, those places the Bible calls the ends of the earth. That's where the road f- finishes. So they parked where the road ended, and the man came out of the vehicle and went into the bush and was there for like three hours. He became worried, so he came out of his vehicle, went in search of this man. He was going here and there, going here and there. He met him after one hour of trekking. And he was bathing with blood. And a man that has a spirit behind him was the one giving him the directive. This person I'm talking about is a very revered politician. Feared! But he was naked before a man that had a God and was bathing in blood. And because the driver saw him in that state, he died. Are you still there? Somebody was sacked from office because they found that the books were not aligning. They were not balancing. So they sacked him. Before they sacked him, he took his, his seat. The seat he sits in the office took it somewhere. And someone that has a God did something on it and, re- and returned it. That if you guys will not allow me to sit on this seat, no man born of woman will sit. They gave that seat to a pastor. The moment the pastor sat there, he became crippled. Now that is also a miracle. You are not. You are not. You are not not following. The God that answers what? By fire. Let him pick up. So when we talk of God it's on the personal level not on the corporate level when we talk of god that is your own personal altar it will be he will come on a personal level a corporate altar he will come on a corporate level to give us corporate strategy if it's a national altar he will come to give us national strategy but the god that answers by fire he should be designated as god so he remains the almighty until you know the workings of the altar that can bring him to the personal level. Our efforts during the course of this weekend are designed to share the technology. The technology that is required to make the almighty your God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. still trying to draw you back from Caswell, draw you back from town, and to bring you here. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 5. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor How the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so knowest not. Even even so, thou knowest not the works of God which who maketh all. You do not know the works of God. You do not know the way of the spirit. You do not know how bones are formed in the womb of a woman that is with child. Are you there? Now, when the supervising spirit of your altar comes, he will show you things that you do not know. And as exposed and as well-traveled as you are, I assure you, there are so many critical things you do not know. These things we are talking about are not the things of men, so you cannot pick this knowledge up in your library. You cannot pick this knowledge up because you sit before a professor. You do not know the way of the spirit. So when your supervising spirit comes on your altar, apart from government, which is the first thing he does, he establishes his government over your life. That's That's the reason why his jealousy will begin to operate over you. If somebody comes and threatens you, he will take over the fight because he has established... His government over your life. The evidences that proves that his government has been established over your life is that he comes to give you instructions. He doesn't come to suggest to you. He doesn't come to give you friendly advice. He comes to move you into alignment by by very intense and uncompromising instructions. Instructions that are not palatable to your flesh, they are not in tandem with your flesh. You will need to drive your flesh aground in order for you to comply with the instructions that he will make available to you. So that's the first thing he does. He comes to establish his government over your life. It is because of his government that is over your life that when you call him he will answer test yourself if it is true that you are in alignment with God your prayers will be powerful when you pray about something he will answer by fire that means at the speed of fire it will be instant you'll see instant results because you prayed that's one of the evidences of the fact that you are standing under the shelter of his government Secondly, when he comes into your space, he begins to teach you. A new scope of education begins because you do not know the way of the spirit. Maybe you read economics in the University of Ghana. You understand how to interpret the economy, the GDP, the all-share index, the exchange rate, and all the parameters that are descriptive of the shape, the well-being of the economy of the land. You are equipped with that knowledge. But when God wants to advance you financially, he has his own way of doing it That is, that may be contradictory to this pattern of statistics that you have studied that is suggestive of viability or not he comes to disrupt your human knowledge and to give you such knowledge that even your mental faculty will contradict. So at the end of the day, in order for you to obey him, you will need to ignore your mind to do so. In fact, when you begin to obey him on strategic matters, people will say you are the greatest fool that ever emerged. Because your actions do not make sense. He will take you outside of the box and he will run your life not according to the books. Because thou knowest not the way of the Spirit. If you are not ready to be disrupted, don't go close to the Holy Ghost. What he will teach you is not consistent with the pattern of the flesh. Are you still with me? I remember when God asked me to resign. I was I was almost a, a management staff I was almost a management staff in the oil industry And in the nation where I come from that's a big deal who who resigns two weeks to his becoming a manager two weeks three weeks you need to be sick because those days the best thing i believe that happened to me was that i was working in the oil industry and now the great one is saying can you come out of that boat? it was a struggle i told my mother she said don't try to come out don't come out <laughs> remember <Remain there. laughs> because she knows what i used to send to her so she had calculated it and
1: ah
0: Eventually, I left. And when I left, people were watching to see the outcome of that obedience. God took me beyond my imagination. Then I realized that working in the oil industry was not the best that God could do. And the way he led me into this new platform of possibility did not make sense to mortal man he said just as you do not know how bones are formed in the womb of she that is with child even so know it thou not the way of the spirit he will disrupt you He would dislocate it. He would take you far away from what you planned for yourself. My plan was to be a lecturer. That was my plan. And the reason why I wanted to be a lecturer was because on the average, compared to other people that I schooled with, I had stronger cerebral powers. At least the context, the context I'm talking about I'm not saying I'm more intelligent than you. I'm saying compared to the people I schooled with. I know you are a champion. So compared to the people that I schooled with, I had, I had something. And I felt that the, the best way to realize this innate capacity that I had was to lecture. To function where knowledge was dispensed and I can maximize the potential that I believe I have over and above the average person. And when I went to God, God said to me, of all the things written concerning you, being a lecturer is not one of them. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking because one of the lecturers that was was never offended because we asked him questions. There was a lecturer like that. You know, there are some lecturers that are offended that you're asking questions. They believe you are trying to show that you know something. So there was one lecturer, who was not offended. So I used to drill him with strange questions. Don't give us the syllabus of the course before you start teaching it, because I'll go and study. it. There were lecturers we asked questions and we confused them in the class. So this one was not offended. So I used to drill him. When he was made deputy vice chancellor in a certain university, he sent for me that they should call me that I'm going to walk under him. So that means I got that my lecturer opportunity. But by the time I got that opportunity, the great one had encountered me and said, Of, of all the things written about you in heaven. Becoming a lecturer was not one. So I turned down that offer, not because I had a replacement, but because I had God. People in my family were already saying, there's something wrong with this guy. The way he's going, the way. (coughs) They say, a black goat is in the afternoon that they catch it. But you are black and night has already come. Black gold did not need to be caught because he had a guide that knew the way through the wilderness. Thou knowest not the way of the spirit. Can you be foolish enough to allow God instruct you, to allow him guide you, to allow him lead you in the way that you should go? So that's where we stopped yesterday. A manifestation of the supervising spirit of your altar. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12 verse 7 as we begin today's lesson. Genesis chapter 12 verse number 7. Give me number 6 so that we can provide some context for the reading that we are doing. How many of you are still here? Okay. Okay. Now, so when you hear that God called Abraham from his country, from his kindred, from his father's house to go to a land that he will show him, this was how God led Abraham. And Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim and unto the plain of Moreh. And the Canaanites was then in the land. Verse 7. And God appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord that appeared unto him. So the supervising spirit of his altar had appeared. And upon his appearance, there was a type of altar that Abraham built to trap the dimensions of the promise that his supervising spirit had given unto him. So there that, that is something you need to do after the supervising spirit of your altar appears to you. The altar Abraham raised here is what in the New Testament we call consecration. It's the altar of consecration. And I need to define what consecration means. The moment you begin to get answers from your supervising spirit, the next thing that you need to do quickly is to raise an altar of consecration. How many of you still remember how God delivered Israel out of the land of Egypt? the, the, the last plague that came into the land of Egypt was that the first son of every Egyptian, the first male child of every Egyptian was going to die. So this was the wisdom, the gift of word of wisdom was in operation in the life of Moses. And Moses revealed how Israel could escape that verdict that was coming from heaven. said kill the lamb, puts the blood on your lintel and your doorpost. So when the angel of death came into the land of Egypt, in the eyes of the angel of death, the firstborn of israel was already killed somebody came and killed them that was the reason why that angel of death passed over goshen and went to slaughter the house of egypt you will notice that when they went into the wilderness part of the first demands that god made on the house of israel was that everyone that was a firstborn that enjoyed that passover privilege on their account of the manifestation of the gift of God of wisdom that was on the life of Moses should be dedicated unto the Lord. Are you there? And in the New Testament, we are all firstborn because our redemption is a result of the direct spilling of the blood of the Lamb. See, what was used to exchange the position. Of the children of Israel that were supposed to die was a lamb and that lamb was their salvation that lamb was applicable to their deliverance in the New Testament we are all firstborn because the direct implication of the sacrifice of Jesus is our redemption therefore the requirement for us in the New Testament is consecration whereas the, the requirement in the Old Testament was tithing. Bring 10% of your income as a proof that you belong to God. That 10% is God's portion, it's not your portion. Are you still with me? It's just like, are you there? It's just like you take a goat and take it to a demonic altar and say, I'm giving you takeo and you do this in the morning. And then you now come in the night and say, I've changed my mind though. This goat, the spirit is going to haunt you. You know why? Because it is no longer yours. Are you there? So the tithe is not yours. If you take it, the spirit will haunt you. But in the New Testament, it's a different story altogether. In the New Testament, you are not your own. You. Because the blood was spilled in order to secure your redemption. You are the church of the firstborn. All of us are firstborn. Is that clear? And the requirement for firstborns is that they are consecrated completely unto God. It is God that will determine what he wants to use them to do. It's not them that will do what they want to do and give God part-time. Is that You are not following me. So, so when we as pastors begin to teach you how to tight, this is O-level. You know, before you gain admission into the university, you must have five credits in your O-level examinations. So when, you, when they start teaching you tighten, this is O-level. At least you are beginning to come to the understanding of the fact that there is a part that is God's portion. And as you grow, God will be leading you to consecration. Where you and yours, all that you are, belongs to God. And God determines how he deploys you as a resource. We are not even talking of what you have again. You yourself. You belong to God. You are God's property. Because of your state in the new covenant, you don't have the rights. You don't have property rights. So God can come to you and say, Pastor Ben, empty your account. That's not tight. He can only tell someone that he owns to operate that way. And it will interest you to know that I have had the experience again and again where God himself told me, empty your account and do this i it is easy for me to, know, to do because i know that i am not my own i was bought with a price and the price was not cheap it was the price of the blood of jesus christ and what he requires of me thereafter is what consecration do you, do you understand it the thing about consecration is this that's what makes you a living sacrifice Because you yourself must become an altar. You. You yourself must become an altar. That is a proof of the fact that you have aligned your heart, which is the altar of your heart. You have aligned it with the government of God. And then you now you are a perpetual sacrifice that is living but ordained to serve the will of God. If you operate that way, it means that you are not living your life to achieve your own purposes, but you are living your life to achieve His own purposes. So if something comes to destroy you, you don't need to cry out. It is not your responsibility to defend yourself or to keep yourself from harm the supervising spirit of your altar that you have decided to consecrate yourself to becomes the one that will rise up to fight. I will teach you how to do spiritual warfare. Then we'll pray one prayer and then next year, when we do the first edition, we'll take some testimonies.
1: So, when
0: his supervising spirit came to him, what he did was that he raised an altar of consecration. So, I need to explain to you because the third point is consecration. The first point, who still remembers the first point? The second point, who still remembers it? The manifestation. Of the supervising spirit of your altar. Then the third point is consecration. That's the response that you make available when your supervising spirit comes. It is that response that will make him stay. For many of us, he left. He came, he did not find any ground to establish government. So he left. He doesn't come to stand alongside with you on the same rank, he comes to govern. He comes to put you in context, in alignment, so that his will can prosper through your vessel. The only reasonable response for you to bring to the table at that time is the response of consecration. If you present that response, he will stay. You know, most of us, when you give your life to Christ, your, your Christian life was sweet. You sleep and You pray, you hear God, the Bible, you receive illumination, and you you liked it. That's when you were supposed to be taught altars. So that you can trap that glorious experience. I have lived in that glorious experience for more than 20 something years. And I'm not saying I gave my life to Christ 20 something years ago. Because I did not always know the way. But for more than 20 something years, about 28 years, I have lived in full vitality of the reality of God. Are you still with me? Okay, there are three scriptures in the Bible that reveal the concept of consecration, which is a critical matter of priesthood. I will only discuss two, but I'll give you the three so that you can study if you want. The first time consecration was ever mentioned in the bible was in the book of leviticus chapter 8 you read the book the entire chapter 8 then you will understand how aaron and his sons were consecrated into ministry but in the new testament the place of consecration is not an exclusive reserve for those in the priesthood it's a reality that affects every citizen of the kingdom of heaven that is operational upon the face of the earth so come with me let's do some bible study quickly and then today we must do practicals because when we are talking about a god the next thing that comes to the table is answer are you there okay So the remaining two scriptures, which are scriptures of interest for us, is number one, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 speaks about consecration. And this is supposed to be the response that we make available when the supervising spirit of your altar appears. And you begin to see that you are beginning to receive answers. There's a feedback for your efforts of priesthood there is a response to your cry when you notice that you respond like this then you can trap him he becomes permanently around your life because you responded by consecrating yourself to be available to serve his will romans chapter 12 is one of the scriptures that speaks on the subject of consecration he said i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service there is a word in that scripture that gives us the context from whence we can understand the meaning of that scripture and that word or phrase is reasonable service reasonable what politically in nigeria i'm from the north and my wife is from the west the place where my wife is from those are the people that like wearing lace do you know lace What Northern Ghana wears, they call not. That's what they wear. Something like that, something similar to that. Because our own region is very hot, there is a way our own traditional wear is. But it is very cheap. But when you journey to the West, the West Is that part of Nigeria that has the most educated people because of several policies that were put in place by their leaders. Those days, those policies benefited them and made them the most educated people. Till Jesus comes back in Nigeria, Western Nigerians will be the most educated. There's nothing we can do about that. So when you go to marry from the west they already see you as inferior are you are you schooled (laughs) do you have a masters do they school in that place that, that your place do they do they go to school are there schools there so you need to be very humble when you go to the west so when we got to the West, the first thing that happened when we began to attempt negotiating for my wife was that the woman that supplies lace, she was in the meeting. Before the meeting could advance, she brought a bale, her bale of lace. That's this, uh, I pointed one, they said 200,000. Pointed another one, they said this one is 250,000. So I announced her that. Then when they said, which one do you want? And I, I told the woman, which, where's the most costly one in this your bill? Bring it out. There was no money. But you don't, you don't pay money to talk. Don't pay money. <laughs> Bring the most costly one in the bill. So they brought that and so many things they gave us after that they gave us a list a very long list and it's in yoruba language the first need i had was to get an interpreter that will interpret those things to english language so that i can go look for them one of the items on that list was a, a species of fish and that species is not in the north may the lord give you understanding it took us six months of visiting Local markets visiting interior farmlands to extract the things on the list. And when we got everything, it was it filled the back of a pickup van. In fact, when we offloaded it in the center of the field where we were supposed to have the traditional wedding, people passing by say, Ah. Anybody that want to come and marry like this, that person, that person has brought people. Now, at the end of the day, we had a ceremony. In fact, and then finally, if you want to marry from the west, you must lie flat like this on the ground, straight. And and that is the costliest, especially if you are from the royal line. You now ask royal men to what? And it is compulsory, you must go down. In fact, when they see that you are white and you are doing like this, when you go down, they will allow you to stay on the grass. Just...
1: (coughs) When you have finished paying the bride price
0: and fulfilling all the requirements on the list and you marry a lady and bring her home, then you will realize that there is something you did not pay for. It was not on the list. You know what? Her love. You didn't pay for it. She will decide thereafter whether to give you her love. Oh, you are not with me. You are not following. You are not following.
1: Haven't seen the mountain of goods
0: you brought from the hinterland and the bush markets to fulfill the requirement on the list? It will now become unreasonable on her part if she doesn't give you that love for free. You get it? So this scripture is saying that Jesus paid your bride price with the price of his blood. And the only way for you to reciprocate that price that he has paid is for you to decide that because it was an act of love that motivated him to pay that price. The price is unreasonable. But he paid it because he was motivated by love. And the only way you can reciprocate that kind of love (laughs) hallelujah. The only way you can reciprocate that kind of love is that you offer to love him unconditionally to the end. That is consecration. And the New Testament theology is saying that just in case you came you gave your life to Jesus Christ and you have refused to consecrate yourself to him to become his vessel to do his bidding and I need to tell you something quickly before we progress the principle that God exploited to redeem you was the principle of substitution the principle of substitution because God's verdict on humankind for the rebellion that Adam did was death. He told Adam even before he rebelled, In the day that you eat of this fruit, in dying, ye shall surely die. So the principle that was exploited was the principle of substitution, because substitution is a possibility in the realm of the spirit. So Jesus came to die in your place. The implication of that is that you it is illegal thereafter. For you to live your life, the only life you have to live is the life of the substitute. That means he will live his own life. He came to die in your place so that you can live his own life. He is the one that will prescribe the life that you will live. If after he died in your place, you continue living your life, you are out of sync with the protocol. You are in debt, grievously. that's why you may not find him around your life you may not feel his presence because you are living your life contrary to the contract of substitution so the only thing that you can do that will be reasonable is that you consecrate you offer your bodies you offer your mind you offer your resources you make it available at his disposal are you there Okay, next verse. Because I need to show you the goal of consecration from Romans chapter 12. Then we'll go to the next scripture. Then I will now show you what happens when you begin to operate this life of consecration. Are you still following me? You see, I, I, I have decided not to be fast anymore so that I can carry you along. You see, and be not conformed to this world. The implication is this. The moment you decide to consecrate yourself to God, you can no longer operate the way this world operates. The description of your life thereafter is the prescription of life that the supervising spirit of your altar gives you. So for me, he said I should not lecture. That is why I did not lecture many years later he now said that i'm going to be an instructor in the body of christ this is the life that the supervising spirit of my altar consecrated for me in doing this life i had to reject the life i chose for myself and to accept the life he chose for me are you there so that the description of my life is not according as the world defines it, but according as him, himself defines it. Oh! People might be running and say, okay, we need to get land and build houses. That may not be the agenda he has for me. So I cannot run that rat race because the reading with which I'm running my own life is a reading that is prescribed to me by the supervising spirit of my altar. As you submit to him, you will find out that your reading will not be the same reading, your emphasis, your desires will not be the same desires that your colleagues that do not know God have. And God knows that it's good for you to have land. He knows that it's good for you to have a house. And he will make provision for you for everything that you need to fulfill destiny in his own time. You will need to trust him and walk with him and allow him to walk out your life for you. I was on my knees on Saturday morning one of those days. Okay, let me give you a background before I go on. When I was courting my wife, in fact, you need to know how I proposed to her. I told her. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I told her, it's like I'm interested in you, but, but say no. That's my proposal. <laughs> I am, there's an interest. The interest is confirmed, but make sure you say no. Who I don't even understand. (laughs) May Lord give you understanding. (laughs) So, then she came years days later and said yes. I said okay. I didn't promise her a good life. In fact, I had only one shoe. It was white. (laughs) I didn't promise her Mercedes Benz. During the courtship, he came to me and. uh, and showed me her diary that she had an encounter with god and god told her that she was going to pioneer a school where children will be raised in the fear of god so i now told the only promise i gave her was that when the time comes i will help you build that school i was in the place of prayer and the holy spirit came to me and said arise begin to build the school now There was no money okay i now remember i had a domiciliary account there was two thousand dollars there so i went and got it and then we changed it to naira we put it into the building and all the money finished then i went back to him i said the money has finished then he said who told you to withdraw your dollars <laughs> is it because I was still trying to run my life according to my wisdom. It was not your wretched dollars that I was looking at when I told you that it is time to begin to build your wife's school. Say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. From that day, he began to supply. He will supply, I will give them, they will continue building. Then after some time he will supply. We say this one is not for the building. This one is for pastors. Send this to that pastor. Send this one to that pastor. Send this to that pastor. Then there'll be no resources for some time. Then he will begin to supply again. He say, okay, build. Then after some time he says, send this to that widow. Send this to that widow. Send this to that. That was how we built that place. His own way of doing things is different from how they do things in the world he is going to be the center of your civilization he's going to be the brain behind your greatness and if you are foolish enough to trust him i assure you the life and the brilliance of your rising will be greater than any ambition that you have carved out for yourself tonight and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed. you see the process of transformation there is only one way you can be transformed when working with God only one way it is only the Holy Ghost that can transform you you see how transformation takes place just like I went and withdrew my dollars that was the way I, I used to think okay that the thing will come from the resources I have saved And I changed it. I used it and came to him and said, The dollars has finished. Then he now said, Who told you? That is your dollars I had in mind when I say go and build. That was a lesson that shifted my thinking. You see, as you deal with the Holy Ghost, one of the things it will do with you is that it will begin to shift the way you think. Because your mind is calibrated just like the people of the world. But when you start dealing with the holy ghost he's you begin to encounter his own strategy his own way of doing things and in that process your mind will begin your thinking will begin to shift your thinking will begin to shift and then you'll discover that you are an entirely different personality your mind has been renewed the wealth the holy spirit gives you begins when he succeeds To begin to change the way you think your limitation, your poverty, your lack are manifestations of, of, of reproaches that are hooked up in your mind. So if he wants to increase your boundaries, then he needs to change your mindset. And you cannot change your mindset by reading books. It will only give you information, it will never give you understanding. If you are going to get understanding, then the eyes of your understanding must be enlightened. And that is a a surgical procedure that the Holy Ghost
1: alone can do. Are you there? I know you read the Bible. You have read, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear?
0: But you still fear. (laughs) You know the scripture. But you have not been delivered from fear. Because... Your capacity to fear is linked to the way your mind is configured. This Holy Spirit is going to renew your mind so that in, in situations where people and human beings are perplexed and they are running helter skelter, you are taking coffee. People will look at you and know you are not a normal man. It is, you, your mind has been renewed. There was a riot. And people were going in this direction. And me, I was now driving like this. And I was going, I was just moving. People now say, huh? Pastor, there you go. I became the hope of the land. Yes, I moved in that direction. You know why? I had woken up in the morning. And I saw that, that riot. And I saw that it came close. It came close to my house, but it didn't get there. So I knew where it would stop. So I was driving. The people did not know, but my mind was renewed by the things that the Holy Spirit taught me. And that was why I behaved differently. You will behave like the world. You will behave like a poor man. You will behave like a failure. You will behave like a man that has suffered. You'll be thinking that way until you begin to meet with the supervising spirit of your altar. And the first reproach you will remove from your life is that he will renew way you think by his dealings you will see that his style is different from yours you will see that his his approach is different my mind has renewed to the point where if god if i'm praying and he's delaying to come i know that there is no better thing than to wait for him demons that come to do mind bending because it is taking time they they no longer come to me their resources they, they know this, it doesn't work. This spell doesn't work on this. The mind, I've seen his faithfulness again and again and again that it is natural for me to have faith. If you don't know God, you can't believe him. Don't wake up in the morning and you are quoting scriptures. It is unbelief. That your stuff. A man that knows God, he will come into the same situation, he will behave differently because he knows God he can take a risk in the name of his god his heart has been adjusted and the god of his life is so huge so magnified that he cannot see the circumstance that is making you fret he can't see it there are a lot of surgeries that god will conduct on your heart on your mind so that you can have capacity to hold your destiny by the jugular and be not conformed to this world the bible says but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I know you know the rest of the scripture. But the objective of consecration from the perspective of Romans chapter 12 is that the end point is that you will know the will of God. Is there anybody in this room tonight? And it is difficult for you to fathom the purpose for which you were born again. It is difficult for you to fathom what what god's objective for bringing you into time is about if you suffer that ailment it is because you have not yet consecrated yourself you are not reasonable and god does not reveal his will to unreasonable people doesn't what i'm doing today is God's will for me. One day after he prayer, because because this lecturing thing was he sh- after heated prayer to negotiate with God, if He would just say, Okay, 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 just go and lecture. But you lecture for five years, at least let me do it. Then, then as I was praying with intensity, he now said, You will lecture. I say, Hallelujah. Before I, I left, he now said, But you will lecture the Bible. so this is the lecturing that he said that we do when I stopped struggling I now put 15 years to study this Bible I went and bought diaries that had pages and I started from Genesis since I'm going to lecture let me know it 15 years to study it. Not to study it from the perspective of your lens, but to allow the Holy Ghost to open the pages. 15 years. I can't count how many times I, I, I did it from back to back. Because if somebody's going to do a PhD, I know how much he studies. I've studied more than that in this Bible. And I, 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 trust me, I know what it takes to earn a PhD. I studied more than that here because I realized that this is a part he wanted me. This is his will for me. Be not conformed to this world, the Bible says. So the objective of consecration through the lens of Romans chapter 12 is that you get to know what the will of God is so that your energy and your life will be spent in serving the will of God. Can you see that can you see that um, God's plan for you is very concrete it's very very intentional and you will never know that plan until he begins to renew your mind the way you are configured by the fall is to be self-centered and self-seeking he begins to confront you and he begins to disappoint your pride again and again Until he adjusts your thinking pattern. And then you start thinking from a selfless perspective. Where it is not about you. It's not about your opinion. It's not about what you think. That is when you even come to a point where you can be a carrier of the Word of God. But the Word of God is not your book. It's a compendium of his thoughts. And if you are going to deliver his thoughts faithfully, then he must make you a vessel. That is is, uh, self-centered. That is not self-centered. That is not self-seeking. That is selfless. That's the only mode that you can sustain in order for you to be a teacher of truth and verity. Please help me tell your neighbor, we need to shift in our mind. The second scripture that holds truth concerning consecration is the book of Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, verse 18, instead of the word consecrate, Romans, in the Greek, it is the same thing anyway. But Romans chapter 6 uses the word yield, but it's the same Greek word. So in verse 18, it says, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of Of righteousness. Your preoccupation in this current estate is to be a slave of righteousness. Yeah? Next verse. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, Servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity. Even so, now yield your members, servants of righteousness, unto holiness. Are you there? So the key word in this scripture is yield. Please help me tell somebody yield. In yielding, you are allowing. It doesn't mean that that is your natural disposition, but you exercise your will to allow. And if you see the goal of consecration in the book of Matthew chapter Romans chapter 6, the goal is holy living. The goal of consecration in Romans chapter 12 is to know the will of God. So there are two things that a consecrated life will produce. You will know the will of God and your life will be factored in holiness because when the bible says that we should offer our bodies it means that your body is no longer yours you cannot use it the way you want to use it the way you use your body is only in the way that god allows the way you use your money is only in the way that god allows so your life is now reflective of the nature of god the god is a holy god He's a different god god is in his own class and you will become like that because of consecration the things that bother god are the things that will begin to bother you the things that bother men we lose taste for your heart because you are a consecrated being and the altar of your heart is in alignment with God. It will produce two results. You will know the will of God and you will live a holy life. When someone takes the microphone and he begins to preach the gospel, you'll be able to detect if he knows the counsel of God. I hope you know the Bible says that the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his salvation. You now have access to read the letters that are written on the heart of God. The reason why you can go that far and decode the secrets that have been sealed up since the foundation of the world is because you are no longer living for yourself. You are living for your master. So your master is at liberty to reveal what is written in his heart to you. You will have access to the mind of God. You will know what God is doing season by season. You will know when to take your journey. You will know when to stand. You will know when to walk away. And you will know when to run. When you find believers that are blind and have no idea of what God is doing on planet Earth, it is a proof of the fact that you are unreasonable. After the bright price, you refuse to to consecrate yourself, to submit yourself to your husband. So your husband wants to have access to you, then you are running in the room. Meanwhile, he has paid. Legally, you are married, but he doesn't have access to what he paid for. And God happens to be a gentleman. God will not come to force what he paid for. You will need to offer it. Legally, it is his, but he will never contend for what is his you will need to become reasonable to give him what is his. So, do you realize how strange the situation will be? Are you with me? Let me tell you a story. In fact, my heart is broken from that story. Maybe if you share in the story, maybe my heart will receive some healing. I met a pastor colleague of mine, great man of God. And he got married. So he wanted to come and take possession of what he paid for. And the wife, the wife ran away. Do you know the wife has been running away for seven years? I know you will not believe. Seven years! Maybe our sisters in this auditorium will give us a name of that, for that situation because I am out of words. Several years! When the man
1: comes, he wants to take possession, she will escape. I, I know it is strange. That's how most of us are. Jesus
0: paid for you and you came into the kingdom of God and you ran away. You do what you want to do. You are on your own. You run in life and say, yeah, we do, we do. The Bible calls you unreasonable. You become reasonable when you decide to consecrate. So when the supervising spirit of your altar shows up, the way you respond like Abraham did is that you raise an altar of consecration. That vision that you want to fulfill through my life, that your grand plan that you want to accomplish in my space, in my time, I submit to it completely. I submit to it. It is a privilege to be numbered with you. It's a privilege to serve your will. It's a privilege to walk with you so that you become the reality, the light in my ecosystem. I will not be conformed to the ways of this world. I will be totally separated unto you. I will be like an island of grace in the midst of a world of sin. My life will speak a different story. My life will manifest a different
1: language because of my association with God and people in my generation will look upon me and call me names. I'm a Jew guy. But you know what?
0: The, The life I'm living, the life of holiness I'm living will become the reason why God will judge that generation. That it was possible to live this life in the midst of this confusion. This man lived it and that's why none of you will go off the hook. It may be popular for pastors to be sleeping with women. I will never do it. You know, I've come to on stage three times. Three times, yes? And say,
1: if you're a woman and I slept with you in the past or I'm sleeping with you now, come and shout on social media. I've said it three times.
0: Yes. And I'm saying, hey, if you're there. Shout tomorrow. I've, I've said it. When we came to the law, we were taught about Jesus properly. It will amount to demeaning the image of God for me to wander into that level of darkness. Oh Jesus Christ. It is counterproductive to the errand that grace was supposed to achieve in my life grace is a resource that god had made available to give us the energy to be able to live a righteous life a life that is blameless in a in this present age the proof of grace is revealed in my walk of holiness that there's an energy that is available even in christ jesus that makes it possible for a man to live a life of poverty and a life that is blameless in character. That grace is available. So the moment you respond by setting up an altar of consecration, then you have a God. You will trap him down. Because every spirit has a weakness, including the Holy Ghost. But the Bible says that the broken and the contrite spirit, God will never despise. That man that came to surrender to him acknowledges the fact that he is a bag of infirmity. That if he runs alone, if he survives it, he will come back with blisters and bruises. So he comes and submits to the authority of the supervising spirit. I say, I'm insufficient. Can you lead the way? Can you become my covering? Can I operate by your wisdom? You see further than I can see. Can you choose the path that I set my feet? For the Bible says it is not given unto man to direct his steps. No, you are not that wise to choose the husband that will walk with you for life. This was the only woman that would have walked with me. I'm a radical. I, I know you know, you know. Hmm. Hey. Except God doesn't speak. But if He speaks, nothing can stop me. And I don't say that boastfully. I know Him enough to run through that wall. Except He doesn't speak. Satan knows He can't stop me. So, I, human beings, oh, they, 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 are, they are, they're just talk. They just talk. Spirits, they are aware. Hallelujah. There was only one woman that could walk with that radical. And God searched her out. And this is 15 years, I can tell you, the Lord is wise. He's wise. Before you finish clapping, don't think I always had all the answers right. Let me tell you another side that you have not known. Maybe you will clap after that. The lady I chose...
1: That's the one I chose. I saw.
0: You know, my mother is fair. Ah. Fair. So, I wanted fair. And you know what? God made it possible. I saw the very figure that I wanted in a lady. Ah, And that day I was preaching. I was in my element. (laughs) <laughs> I was in my element I was a prophet high in glory high in the anointing Jesus Christ and when I was going to propose because after preaching I, I disarmed her I disarmed her completely so I was going to propose now and then the Holy Ghost restrained me. So I had to leave that city that day. And I was asking God, why? What happened? Did you see that lady? And we are of the same tribe. So
1: all this. No. Hey,
0: Jesus. The Lord did not answer. years later I now discover that lady I was told that if she gets angry that they lock her up in the room and then they'll be putting her food by the door Then when she comes she'll come and take it nobody can restrain her when she gets angry so I I net down one that say. <coughs>
1: If the Holy Ghost allows you, it's, it's Cobra that you will choose. Kai.
0: I'm alive today because the Holy Ghost helped me.
1: So when you are a prophet like Elijah and you stand on Kamel and call fire, that's what the people see.
0: But when you come back home, that anointing you have on camel is not there. <laughs> if the devil had a hand in the choice you made, that is where your torture will start. When you come back from camel you say, hey, you killed my prophet. He will possess the one, and the Koboko you Can you help me tell your neighbor? Please, allow yourself to be supervised. He didn't hear you. Talk to another neighbor. Talk to that. Allow yourself.
1: Allow yourself.
0: Allow yourself to be supervised. To be supervised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Now, because i want us to do practicals i have to stop here now we are going to do two things two things because this altar now is a corporate altar and even though i've not started teaching us about corporate altars i need to tell us one significant factor about corporate altars the similitude of corporate altars was revealed in the old testament and when the altar was to be built in the Old Testament, this is what the instruction God gave them. He said they should build it outside and then bring it to the place and assemble. Not that they will be cutting it here. No, no. What they do at the spot they want to sit where the altar is to, what? I said, Many of you are not aware that even Solomon's temple was assembled. It was not built. It was assembled. In the query site, are you there? They got all the dimensions crafted out in the query site. What they did was that they just came to assemble. That's how altars are built. You arrange them in the query site, and then you assemble on site. And what God was speaking, what God was saying by that is the power of agreement. The power of agreement is one of the strongest principles in building a corporate altar. I'll give you only that one, power of agreement. Now, since our altar is corporate, we are going to do something. We are going to pray a prayer of commitment, a prayer of dedication. And we are telling the supervising spirit of this corporate altar, We submit to you. When we finish that prayer, then we will, the effect, what that prayer created in the realm of the spirit, we'll look for a way to download it so that you can see the effect. Then I will sit down. Exactly. Tomorrow is the day I'm going to minister. Today I will still teach. Tomorrow I will teach a little. So that I can minister. The object of tomorrow's meeting is to quench if there's an altar speaking into your life now, and I will tell you the symptoms that find expression. If there's a demonic altar speaking upon your life, then we will not quench it. You don't need to say amen. It will happen. That's what we will so that I can show you, I can show you how. When you know that an altar is contending with you, I will show you what to do to provoke the jealousy of your own supervising spirit to go ahead. How to fight in the spirit. Exactly. So we'll do that tomorrow. Then we'll now address you will now discover. What makes you powerful is that you have access to secrets. It's not that in yourself there is anything that is strong. You have access to secrets that the Holy Spirit has made available. So we are going to spend a few minutes. Are you with me? And I want you to utterly, utterly submit, submit to the Holy Ghost, and say, "I have not been, I have not been aligned with you, but today I want to cut a covenant with you. I want to submit to you." Before we do that, if you are in this meeting and you have not given your life to Christ, we need to help you quickly so that you can join in the procession. So if you know that if Jesus should come today, if the trumpet should sound today, you are not likely to be in the number. Anywhere you are, rise on your feet so that we can deal with that matter. You know, we want to practice altars sincerity is one of the things that is required. Anywhere you are, rise on your feet, yes? I'm seeing somebody there, I'm seeing another person. Rise on your feet so that we can attend to you quickly. Is there anybody? On the second floor, is there anybody there? Ushers, Anyone there? Okay, so we can progress. Now this is it. We are going to surrender to God because the Bible prescribes that we should offer ourselves a living sacrifice. I want to walk the path with you. I submit so that you can swallow up my infirmities and become the one to guide me. Become my wisdom. Become my strength. Become my understanding. Become my secret. Somebody needs to call upon him right now. Call upon him. That from today, I will no longer be a casual Christian. I will no longer be casual. I will no longer be a church goer. I throw in the towel. That life of, of lukewarmness, I bring an end to it completely tonight. And I connect. I surrender. I submit completely, completely, completely. Somebody speak to him right now. Completely.
1: te kende lebros kito boko siam. Liko siko breesko pamalite. Iska prendo kondalate. I am seeing people in this auditorium. People that were designed for utter greatness. Bound. Because they have refused. To allow the Holy Ghost lead the way. Can we submit to him? Can we surrender to him? Can we surrender? I surrender. If there is one sin or the other in your life. You can... Bring repentance before him tonight and say, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Someone call upon him right now. Call upon him right now. Call upon him right now. now. Rai ketobondo bom no lobo Rande coria, si cobresco Escuba manda, ha se sali cobre escofa laite. tabriga batua. Asala a sica. Asala rondosca, telia rica santoria. E brisco la baita conde. Escapesco seseli. E keli abracatale. Undeleboconde Babasike. Like Osketo brenda calababodocose. Endomis a salatos combre. A calibasunder ico brace. La I combre coffee land. E kosketa bringa vanatala. A kai combamise. I want to do your will and your will alone. The moment you consecrate yourself to Him It is no longer about you About your preferences About what you want It becomes about Him About His preferences About the things He wants It becomes all together About Him About Him About Him About Him About him. Ilelobosika presco valantoria. Ecoske to brinda calababo senali. El abronde kesi ecoskalabo. Repos kama santaya. Egaiko preske telemondelia. Can you tell him? Give me the power to walk in holiness. To walk in holiness. And to prioritize your will above everything else. Somebody talk to him right now. Eee, si me bol, kunda romosika brasil, eli na na raka baba sote, et santa baboria, lebro kosi iko a semina made kose, alabondela, alabashinima, alabamorokoshkande, amaitoka salabagoria, ebraka kandeli, ila babori gasatelia. Eh! Eka Barazon Zela, E Sassi for Brasketale, Eka Manda Baboria, Eka Savanata, Eka Prescopa, Eka Malate, Eka Ela Yesike Rande Momo Sakatale. Lord, we surrender. It is no longer about me, it is no longer about my preferences, it is no longer about the things I prefer, the things I want, it is about you. Sadika Paralandala, the ice caponde, the Cadenza Soma Cademala, Ibrahim Sasabonte. We give you the glory, we give you the praise in the name of Jesus.